Heavenly Father, we recognize you as the great storyteller, and we long to see our own lives as a part of that story, your story. We ask it in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our God is a fantastic storyteller. He's a master storyteller. The God of the Scriptures is an amazing storyteller. The God who made you and has been a part of your life every second, whether you recognized Him or not, is a fantastic storyteller. Let me say it a different way. God never writes boring stories. You say, Josh, you're not at my work from nine to five. You're not at my cubicle. God never writes boring stories. He never writes bad stories. My daughter Daphne's three years old, and we uh, we are working through this. This working through is kind of a stretch, but we are uh, reading at night as, as we're able a little bit of this. Uh, of this book is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's fantastic. I mean, I learn, Mindy and I talk about how we learn as much as, as, as uh, well, I don't know if Daphne learns anything, but we learn a lot. From it's written by Sally Lloyd-Jones. I just, I can't recommend it highly enough. There's a reason because she, she's able to, she does this hermeneutical thing where she follows the whole Old Testament and shows how all the characters of the Old Testament and the stories um, foreshadow Jesus. So, I mean, it's just brilliant. But we'll be reading through this story at night, and we'll get to a page. Let me see if I can find one. Oh, yes. A page like this, uh, and it, it has a tear. You see that tear right there? And, and there's another one. I think the whole page just has fallen out. We've lost probably 10 pages of this book. Now, when we get to this part of the story, and there's a broken page or a page is missing, we'll say, um, oh my goodness, Daphne, what happened? Baby doll, where did the page go? And she'll look up at me and she'll say, Daddy, I made a mistake. That means, of course, I tore it out of the book, right? I took my hand and I ripped the page out. God is a master storyteller, but if you're like me, there are probably pages in your life story that you would give anything if you could rip them out and throw them away. In fact, your book might be so filled with those pages that it's just thin. And now you're living a thin, narrow, small story. I'm just the guy who was abused. I'm just the nine-to-five worker with um, no dreams. I'm the divorcee. I'm the widowed. I'm the poor person. I'm the rich person who has no fulfillment. The temptation for every human being is to hold on to some tiny, small, insignificant story, a story that's been 
with pages that have just been ripped out one after the other. Friends, this is not the story that God is writing in your life. My friends John Stone Street and Warren Cole Smith say this, God loves re-words, re-words, R-E-words. Redeem, renew, refresh, restore. These are the stories that God is writing. We see this today in our Old Testament story. And there's where we'll focus. Take your scriptures and follow along. God is an amazing storyteller, and your story is way bigger than you ever imagined. Don't tear the pages out because God's going to redeem them. Now, our lectionary, which is the, the structure uh, that tells uh, it's, it's a, a tool that tells us what our readings are for Sunday. It hasn't had us in the book of Genesis, but here we find ourselves today dropped right into the middle of an unbelievable story. I mean, the, 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 the moments and the details surrounding this small section of Genesis 45 are so epic. It's just, I, can't, I don't even know how to begin. It's the story of Joseph. It's the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph, for those of you who don't remember, this is the very, 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 very brief version, because did you know that more than any other patriarch in the book of Genesis, Moses, who's writing Genesis, gives more pages to the life of Joseph, whose story has lots of bad moments. Joseph grew up in a very dysfunctional family. I say that because he was his dad's favorite. That sounds good in one sense, but you, you know how it goes when one kid is favored above others. Joseph's brothers hated him. They hated him so much that they uh, tried to kill him, threw him in a, in a ditch in the desert, left him to die. Fortunately, fortunately, for Joseph's sake, he was picked up by a group of Egyptians and sold into slavery. Then when he gets to Egypt, if, as if life had not been bad enough, he's falsely accused of, of sexual assault by a very, a very powerful woman, the wife of Pharaoh. And then he goes to jail. The story just gets better and better, doesn't it? Then he goes to jail, a few years in jail. By a wild turn of events, by a wild turn of events, God brings Joseph through his sufferings, puts him in a place of power. Listen to how a Sally Lloyd-Jones describes it. Can I read to you from the storybook? I wish you could see the pictures. That's the end of the dreamer, his brothers thought when they threw him in the ditch. But they were wrong. God had a magnificent dream for Joseph's life and even when it looked like everything had gone wrong, God would use it all to help make the dream come true. God would use everything that was happening to Joseph to do something good. So our story finds us in a moment where Joseph begins to see just a little bit of the re-words in his story, a little bit of restoration, a little bit of redemption, a little bit of refreshment and renewal. Look at the passage. Go down to verse 5. 
Joseph's brothers see him, they realize it's him. How ironic that 20 years ago, to, up to this point, they tried to kill him, and now they're coming to him to ask him to save their life because he's in a place of power in Egypt. He's like the prime minister of Egypt. Joseph says to them, I'm your brother. He even says, come closer. Like, no, 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 look at my face. I am the one that you tried to kill. And now do not be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. In other words, you and everybody around here, we're all in trouble. In fact, if the food doesn't change, we're going to die in this famine. Egypt will die, and Israel will die. God, verse 7, sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. God is a masterful storyteller. What if Joseph had paused at any one of those moments in his life in the pit, tear the page out and throw it away. Sold to slavery, tear the page out, throw it away. Accused, thrown into jail, tear the page out, throw it. No, no, no. Every moment, every page, God was using to save not just Joseph's life, but his brother's life. Get this, even the Egyptians are saved. God is a master storyteller. You know, this uh, book of Genesis, of course, is just the first. It's the first book of this, the Scriptures. You, you know that. Later on in the New Testament, though, there's another story. We, we, we call this the Bible, and it's all these kinds of writings from thousands of years, but it's one, one single story. Listen to how Sally Lloyd-Jones says this, because did you know that there was another Joseph, a greater Joseph? She says it like this. One day, God would send another prince after Joseph, a prince whose heart would break. Like Joseph, he would leave his home and his father. His brothers would hate him and want him dead. He would be sold for pieces of silver. He would be punished even though he had done nothing wrong. But God would use everything that happened to this young prince, even the bad things, to do something good, to forgive the sins of the whole world. Friends, Jesus is the greater Joseph. All the pages of his life that could have been, would have been, should have been by our measures torn out and thrown away, God uses the worst moment in Jesus' life when He's on the cross is our salvation and the salvation of the whole world. Christina Fox, a blogger, uh, tells the story of going into her living room and she sees a, a book that her son's been reading and she, uh, she, she picks it up and her son's five or six years old and every single page has been dog-eared, like marked. And she says, um, 
um, she says, son, you know, what, what's, what's the deal with your book? Like, what, what's, what happened to the pages? Why did you mark them all? And, and, and he says, mom, those are all my favorite parts. Can you imagine the day in the new heavens and the new earth, a day the Bible promises you, children of God, where with Joseph and all the saints, by the way, these people are all part of your story right up there. Joseph is up there somewhere. Just to remind you that your story isn't just you and your cubicle nine to five or you and your past failures or you and your mistakes. This is your part of your story. One day with these folks, where you'll be flipping through the pages of your story that God wrote, maybe Jesus will be nearby, and you'll get to say with God every page, even that page back in 19-whatever, that, that was my favorite part. Not because of the evil that happened or the harm done to me, but because of how you, God, redeemed it. Every page, a favorite part. I'll leave you with a poem from William Cooper. This is from him, 677. And instead of just uh, reading it, because it's masterful, 677, if you're, if you're taking notes and want to go back and look at it. William Cooper, God moves in a mysterious way. Let me sing you the words uh, the way that I learned it. Um, it's, a, it's, a different, it's a different tune. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err, and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Amen.